17 years ago, and more, the networks came, saw, and conquered the medium of podcasts after a long and bitter struggle. One little podcast about old and strange cartoons held out, and it is in this podcast that we shall meet the heroes of our tale. Here they come now. As though there were a lot to take notes on in this. I mean, there was quite a, eh. <laughs> <laughs> like. I mean, things happened. Things, yeah, things happened, but it was it was basically like an episode of Hogan's Heroes. So what do we want? What do we what do we watch this week, Will? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've got to intro the show, Adric. I figured we'd cut that in later, but well, yeah, no, go ahead. Not, not, we want it to be organic. That was so organic. See how so organic is this is? Welcome to On Twos, where two buds dredge the bottoms of the seas of animation and see what comes up. I'm William Ix. <laughs> I'm Adric Six. <laughs> and, and as you may have guessed, I want to I say it. Uh, we okay. watched uh, Asterix the Gaul this week. Which is available on on multiple streaming services at various qualities, and yeah. was just a, was just a treat. What yeah, a... it's a 1967 French animation. Uh, directors Ray Goussen, who it as far as I could find his previous credits, like before this, he also did the first animation of Tintin. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because Tintin's also French and like they have very similar qualities to them, both adapted from comic books. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a through line there. I think a lot of people will be surprised to find out that Asterix is like better selling and more popular than Tintin. I'm shocked to hear that. Oh, yeah. I mean, my introduction to both of them was at my middle school library. We had... Um, both of those books, they did some like like a vocabulary series where they would publish them in both English and French and like display them the 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 text side by side. And so my my introduction to them was at the same time, but Tintin then like stuck with me way longer and uh, I don't know, felt like a bigger part of the cultural touchstone, including with its movie in like 2012 or whatever. Yeah, which is I... a, a bona fide classic. That movie rocks. I, I actually haven't seen it. I love it. I should check um, that out. But um, so Asterix I, and obelisks, obelisks. It's it's a hard one to say. There's X's at both of the ends of the names, which it's hard because like in your mind you're trying to say asterisk because right, right, it's like the, the a thing that's just commonly screwed up when you're saying stuff, <laughs> like espresso or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Where so exactly. many people say asterisk, meaning the punctuation, whereas you should be saying asterisk, but asterisk. now you have to like just bend your mind in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of painful to say every time. Well, so my introduction to asterisk was uh, when I was growing up. I lived in Germany for three and a half years. And we would like travel around Europe and I 
genuinely find it kind of remarkable that I avoided in any way reading any of these books. They were just <laughs> things that I would see on newsstands and stuff like that. But yeah. It, and also like we went to every single uh amusement park that we could in <laughs> in the surrounding area. We lived in Stuttgart in Germany. Um but we never went to Park Asterix. Which is fascinating to me for two reasons. One, that you managed to orbit this thing that's more popular than Tintin somehow. like in a Yeah, and, and just almost never touch it. And two, I need you to tell me more about Park Asterix because that's a ridiculous idea that that exists. It, yeah. Or maybe we should like introduce the concept of who these characters are first. Yeah, well, guess so what? There ain't a Park Tintin, so. Right? <laughs> I suppose. Dang. All right. So, like... Asterix is a so they uh, as as the title would imply they are they are gulls which are a like a, maybe you know more about the history but it's like, just my French understanding they are yeah a a French like two two ish thousand years ago um, during during Roman times which plays a heavy part in the the, the narrative um, were a like a a, a people like a a culture and a, a in like northern France, right? Mm-hmm. They actually show you a map at the beginning of the thing that's, that's like, true. here's that's exactly true. where this town is. Yeah, and they they play with the historical accuracy in a way that I find just delightful. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, there's magic involved, so you could kind of yeah. just do whatever. Right. Where where they like they like name some places and give you some like context, but then immediately tell you like that everything else is out the window. Yeah. Well, so they're loosely based on uh this king and chieftain of uh it was the Averni tribe, uh who united the Gauls, uh but didn't stop Julius Caesar from yeah taking over what what we now know as France. Uh, but his name was Versangetorix, and that's why everyone has Ix at the end of their name. Yeah, names are a, names are a big thing here. They're a big um, thing. According big, big to thing. the Asterix Wikipedia, half of the comedy in this is names, and the other half, uh, which we didn't get to so much in this first movie, is ethnic stereotypes. Yeah, there's 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 some pieces about that that I think we'll get into there's as we some. start discussing the story. It's not as bad in this one. There is some like uh very strong anti-Roman sentiment, I would say, but yeah. it's like pointed pretty di- directly at the military in here. And there is a little bit of like um like uh I can't tell if it's like racial superiority that's portrayed. Or if it's like you can like tie it back to the magic in such a way that makes it feel a little bit less like we are the uh, the word that comes to mind is Ubermensch. Yeah, like it's a it's a it it gets a little uncomfortable in those spaces. It feels um, like if Three Hundred was a comedy. <laughs> that's a really funny way of putting it. Um, yeah, no, I I kind of agree. Um, and was animated for children. Yeah. Um, they did say hell once. I'm pretty sure 300 was for children. It kind of was. Both comic books. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
So just just because I want to like talk about it briefly and then get out of the way. So what was your exposure to Park Asterix? I never went there. I just, just like you were aware of it or like yeah, I'm just aware that it exists. Uh, it's well, I mean, I did research on Asterix and it was one of the first things that came up was, hey, there's been this amusement park in the north of France since 1989. And like, <laughs> it looks pretty cool. Like, uh, is it like um, uh, full Disneyland style or is it like just like pretty, pretty chill in comparison? It reminds me more of Europa Park, which is like a a fairly large uh, amusement park in Europe. Um, Like they've got flags in size. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've got uh, roller coasters and rides and all that stuff. But then they also just have like. A weird little town where you can yeah. look at statues of obelix what a, what a weird cultural touchstone this must be like it's fascinating to to think about these things that in other cultures have become like you know where the, like yeah mickey mouse has for us yeah where they've like just completely permeated this culture but we've right. never heard of them right no it's a it's a fascinating thing um so the the two the two titular characters Asterix and Obelisk. This one, as as the t- the title would imply, is more focused on Asterix, which I was kind of disappointed by, honestly. Like Obelix is such a great character, and I like him a little bit more. Yeah, and yeah, his presence in the movie was was greatly diminished, maybe for like voice acting reasons. <laughs> you never know. But um, so Asterix is is the little guy. Obelix is the the big the big boy. And the big guy the with his of, pants covering his nipples. Right. Which you have to respect the sense of decency that yeah. he's providing with that. <laughs> um, they both have like braided hair and wear helmets. Um, and mustaches. And mustaches. And like the hair. Hair is a, a big focus here in this, in this as well. It is pretty um, big. And they're both like superhumanly strong um obelix is superhumanly strong because he fell into this pot of magic potion when he was a baby and so it's like both he has like permanently imbibed it into himself in such a way that he is inexorable from it and always is super strong whereas asterix needs to imbibe it on occasion in order to maintain his strength yep and And then the and the potion itself is made by the town druid uh who's slaps uh, well I forget. Did they call him Prismatics in this one? Uh, yes. Prismatics. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. his actual name in like English translations is Getafix. <laughs> like they. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, they changed a whole bunch of the the names like to go mm-hmm. back to what they were in French in this one, which is so weird. Yeah, that is strange, but I do I do appreciate that that it's not that. Yeah, that um, it's like actually kind of a good pun. Yeah, um, the the chieftain I liked too. That was ton of bricks. Yep. Uh, oh That's... god, his name's wrong in there too. Uh, I... to... Do you remember what it? Uh, let's see, asterix oxen. Vital statics. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's it's weird. a night. It's a nightmare to say. 
Yeah, v- that's bad. Vital, like vital, vital statistics. That's the joke. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing. Ton of there. bricks is better. Ton of bricks is great. I love ton of bricks. Um, the uh, when, when did it become fashionable to hate the Romans? You think? Because they are the main villains through this. I don't and, know. Like, um, I, I mean, they, they were, they were like the super villains of of Europe for a long period of time after like slash during their fall. Like I feel like as they're losing power, a bunch of these places are sort of wrangling back cultural control of their, um, of their, their countries and of their culture. And, uh, like, and I it, wonder like when the corner turned. Probably like after we beat the Nazis who were using a lot of their imagery too. Yeah, and yeah. like you know, there's kind of that that memory of like, oh yeah, this is kind of like what the Romans were doing, but just in the modern era. So you can kind of like just play because right. that's the other thing that this always that this reminded me of was um oh what's the fucking show Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, so I don't. I have no idea what that is. If you want to fill me in a little bit, uh, Hogan's Heroes was a comedy that took place in a, a POW camp in World War II, and Whoa. it it was just like a bunch of American POWs clowning on Nazis. That's that kind of rules. It. I'm here for this. I mean, aside from just setting nazis as like oh he's a wacky guy with a monocle that falls out when hogan clowns on him (laughs) yeah no i I hear that where it like trivializes it in a way that's kind of kind of dicey yeah but um i think just uh, i'm generally a fan of clowning on nazis in like the most accessible ways possible yeah just just encouraging reminders to the children (laughs) And what are you going to do? Yeah. Just Got spreading around that uh, <laughs> that gif of the dude punching Richard Spencer. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think about, like, um, uh, Captain America punching a Nazi. Like, that's a that's that's an, a, an important part of, like, American culture, that's, that's, I think. Uh, that's issue one of Captain yeah. America is him it punching Hitler tone. on the cover. And that, you know, it's a bold move, and it... And it really, I think, is something I want to see more of. Mm-hmm. So some other, we can like we can like set up the, the scene a little bit here. So Asterix and Obelix, they are they're in the north of France. This is like, um, in the story, the last remaining stronghold of the Gaul. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gaul have been conquered more or less by the Romans, and like, the thing that Romans have done, which I, I found referenced through a couple pieces in there which was interesting was like that they assimilated the gaul into their society you know what i mean like there was yeah. reference to a town that was under roman control but still gaul and i think the phrase that obelix used was like oh you guys like um i thought you were at peace with the romans in that area and and like the yeah the assimilation of culture was like briefly referenced in a way that was kind of interesting yeah but then yeah, like these two are are the holdouts. They're like the town superheroes that um, defend the comedy Romans. Yeah, they're called the unconquerable Gauls in most of the comics. 
Yeah. Hence the, the 300 reference. Right. And, um, and so there's, there's an encampment of Romans that is like not too far from here that are like attempting to siege the last of the, the last of the gull. And then it's like a, a bit of a cat and mouse, like Tom and Jerry style, like throw them in some some platoons, asterisks and slash obelix, beat them up, throw them over some trees and, and send them packing without too much trouble. There's really not a sense of danger through, through any part of no, this. No, there really it, isn't. It's it kind of gleeful in some yeah. ways where, um, yeah, asterisks was at no point even even in the there was like some brief hints at at there being like some like oh well he's his potion's gonna run out and he's not gonna be as strong as everyone yeah that at no point is anybody even remotely convinced that that's a problem yeah that was like just mentioned when he left and then like days later they're just like ah it's whatever we'll just make more yeah we'll just it's it's fine whatever (laughs) and um so the reason the reason why he leaves, we, we can skip forward a little bit, is oh let's talk about the spy. Yeah. So. so they, oh god. So you've got uh I believe it was General Phonus Balonus. Yeah, Phonus Balonus uh, alongside um, Petrolius Pumpinus and uh, Marcus Sourpuss was the 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 general. Again, the names are very good. Very good. <laughs> Um, so he's looking for a way to infiltrate this, uh, the unconquerable village of the Gauls. And discover the, the source of their strength. Because, yeah, you know, figure... why, why can this one little dude, Asterisk is very small, why can this one little dude beat up my platoons? Over yeah, he is again? drawn like half the size of anyone else. Which slaps. I love, we, we stand a short king. It's awesome. And um, so he he conscripts. There's a lot of like um, this this storyline did not go how I expected because it's very like this this um, I don't know what what position he would be in the Roman army like legate or whatever is like extremely antagonistic to his legionnaires. Oh and yeah, I expected the the spy that they conscript because he like forces him into service and they 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 pretend that he is a captured Gaul and like march him through and everybody gets their their butts kicked by Asterix and they they rescue this guy i expected like you were expecting him to go native exactly like this is that's totally the kind of story that that people would tell these days is like look at our superior culture um don't you want to be a part of this i mean that does kind of make sense so quickly but he doesn't so he he gets taken in and um has some sob story about trying to get back to one of his uh his village to, to and his, his wife his and family yeah and but he's not strong enough and so why won't you teach me the secret to your strength so that i can um make it back and the the thinking of the the druid is eventually convinced because he's like ah well we can give it to him and it'll it'll wear off sooner rather than later anyway so yeah whatever we'll just give it to him and so they they do a whole ceremonial like cooking of the of the mistletoe there's some great great bits about how he can make it taste like anything yeah um, so what do you think is like, in there um probably like taurine taurine yeah yeah i'm gonna guess adrenochrome but and some like stimulants yeah what's adrenochrome it 
that's the thing that uh, the QAnon people think that uh, Hillary Clinton sucks out of children's <laughs> blood. Holy shit. I've never heard of this. How is that possible? Oh, really? It sucks that I haven't heard You've of it. You've never this. heard of yeah. Frazzle Drip. I've never heard of it. No. It's, yeah, that's like the not that deep, honestly, QAnon conspiracies that they think that they get together in parties and uh, scare children so that their adrenochrome levels rise and then drain all the blood out of them and drink the minute. blood. Are you telling me that? the core theory of this thing that is like ripped through our country is monsters inc subplot yeah pretty much fuck that sucks dude yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> terrible <laughs> um, but like so the, anyway yeah just imagine that's that's what they think is happening like asked just Hillary, oh. Hillary Clinton drinking her special potion and running around and punching dudes in the neck and then they fly out of their shoes. Yeah. Yeah, because Hillary Clinton is has the strength of 10 men. Yes. That's one thing I know for a fact. So I think you're right. <laughs> I think this is pure adrenochrome and, and then like mistletoe to taste. Mistletoe is, I think, in the show, the only like referenced important ingredient. And then it's like, uh, lobster increasingly complicated yeah very difficult to get ingredients that yeah. are just for the taste of it right um so he they give him this potion and he uh then they do so there's this there's this running gag of the um the that the the musician cannot play for shit but then is like completely competent at the fiddle for some reason yeah it's it's a weird like I don't know. There's something to this cartoon where apparently the original writers of Asterix and Obelix, the the comic, uh, Rene Goscinny yeah. and Albert Uderzo, uh, they were not involved in the production uh, of this at all. That's interesting to hear. So I kind of I... wonder if like all, all the just pointless dancing and stuff like that was just yeah. just some pad for runtime yeah because this thing is just barely over an hour just just a hair um anyway they do a dance and at some point the instruction is to grab your partner's mustache and so they grab his most mustache and it falls off going back to the, the hair being an important signifier of, of being part of this cultural clan and they and they all know instantly yeah so as a like all the gauls have mustaches and all the romans are clean shaven and um, another thing that comes with it is that there is not a single woman in this production. I was going to mention like, that. Like, I couldn't even yeah. spot any in the background. Not a one. Yeah, and these are like villages, right? So right. This, you would think that this would be, you know, it would make sense if the, the Roman sieging camp You did. think they're like the Smurfs? I think they're like the Where Smurfs. Where there's, there's just like one Gallic <laughs> woman. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to look into it because I know that that exists. And, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go in that world. Well, in in like the comic, there are women in the Gallic, in the little village. Yeah, but not in this cartoon. Not here. <laughs> not here at all. Um. So, yeah, he runs back to the to the the Roman camp and is like, "I got it. I got the secret." And he's like, "What is it? It's a potion. It's in my belly." And 
they they did a reference joking about it later but i expected them to immediately just like be like okay we're cutting you open yep we will disembowel you (laughs) (laughs) we'll steal your blood (laughs) but and but he's too strong for him now right they can't take him they can't take him and they do this really great bit where he's like okay hold that rock over your head and when it wears off we'll know because you'll drop it and uh they just i thought they played that off very well which is uh, again it's still just surprising that he wasn't just like nah i'm gonna leave because like they kick his ass when he drops the rock he gets dropped he gets a gigantic boulder dropped on him and then a bunch of legionnaires come and beat his ass <laughs> they're like all right it's time for your comeuppance for doing your job <laughs> yeah it's like it's a truly terrible culture and um and again I, I really expected it to go a different way but it didn't he's like loyal to the end um so they they don't really do anything with the fact that the power is now worn off of him uh, what what they get from this is the fact that they can go capture the druid, um, which which leads us right into so they they manage to capture the druid yada yada yeah and and bring him back. Although it it's really weird to me that this druid does not seem to be taking his own potion, right? Maybe I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like the taste of child blood. Maybe that seems to be. He's yeah, just he's like, like I know what goes I, in this. Yeah, I've seen the hot dog get made. <laughs> Yeah, not not today. I'm out, I'm out there scaring lot, squirrels but... and then draining all the blood out of them. <laughs> and um, yeah, so he's not about it. So he he gets ganked easily and like, um, and and captured and taken away in a in a knit. Yeah, this is what they called it, and I love that. <laughs> um, but then we gotta talk about the torturer. This is a weird vibe, right? Yeah. It like. I mean, I think it's a common thing that was in children's cartoons back in the day where it's just like, oh, we'll torture you. And it's just taking a feather and making you like forcibly like tickling you. Yeah. It was a weird vibe. Yeah. And like, I I get that you have to like, you're like, oh, there's there's information that we need to extract from this person. But this is a children's cartoon, so let's let's take it easy, huh? Um, I get the I get the need for that. But, but all the was, like actual was... torture implements are there. Yeah, like, right. There's a They're full on not... rack there. Yeah. And I don't know. It was it was just a just a weird vibe. Um, the. But obviously, he's he's also unfazed by it. It's not like they play it as though this is like you know a terrible thing that's happening, but just it's just like um, a yeah, G-rated he's just like of a terrible I, I ain't thing. doing anything about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like this is stupid and hilarious, and of course it's not effective. Right? Um, why which, would which why like, would it be? They're tickling. Why him. would it be? Yeah, and it and it continues to maintain this like there's no danger here at any time. Like the Romans are completely helpless. Um. There is no when they when they have captured somebody. There's no risk of anything bad happening. There, and so then yeah, it, there's no real conflict in this no. whole show, which it dragged at this point for me. Yeah, like, we hit this point, and I'm like, okay, nothing matters. And and because the worst thing has happened, the the source of the gull's power has been kidnapped, 
And that, at no point do I feel like they're going to use this to like go back and route the Gala camp while they're they're un, uh, under underarmed. Asterix and, yelling to Panoramics, making him slice his hand twice, is more damage than the Romans have done to him <laughs> in this whole time. Yeah, he just like gets surprised by yeah, him being called out. Like, oopsie. And yeah, that's more than they've done to him. The entire thing. And so there's no, like, that's the only blood drawn in this uh, on, on gall blood other than right. what, is, what is consumed in the potion. And so then it turns into this, like, nonsense subplot of, like, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun at parts, but, like, it was nonsense of um them trying to get the druid to make this potion for them and him asking for increasingly difficult to attain ingredients. Well, Asterix shows up at some point. Yeah, to to like rescue him, but then decides that this is too ridiculous and fun and decides to play along. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm a Bugs Bunny. And yeah. that's what we're going to do. I It was also just like to get free good food from them, which like, right. yeah, which I can respect. get it. <laughs> yeah. There's like some brief mention of rations in the Gaul camp earlier, which makes sense. They're under siege. Mm-hmm. And so this seems like a, you know, this seems like a good time to them to be like, eh, whatever. We'll just hang out. And, yeah. Uh, go get me strawberries. <laughs> just stuff like and, that. Yeah. But they do that for like half the runtime of the movie. And so I'm like completely checked out by, by a certain portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it did just become like, clowning on the romans and you wind up getting a joke like every five minutes or so yeah unless you count clowning on the romans um yeah part well, of uh, the way asterix gets into the campus through this auction dealer and was that guy like coded as italian i don't know they called him a noodle head and that I felt mean, wrong he was coded as just stupid like yeah. it, and he's singing the whole time I liked his first song. His that was very fun. Sad song about needing to sell his ox. That was good for me. And then they had like the the Skyrim style stealth section where yeah. Asterix is sneaking through the camp at night and knocks over a bunch of shit. And like they cut to like ten guards turning their heads for a second and then immediately going back to the idle animations. I'm sure it was nothing. I'm sure it was nothing. <laughs> um. And then the hair potion. Yeah. So they come to a point at which they have to actually make some type of potion. And they make a fake potion that just makes their hair grow. And even like, God, the Romans are so stupid in this. It's it's bonkers because they call over that same singing idiot from the cart and have him take the potion first and then they're like oh show us your great strength and he picks up like a moderately sized rock and And they're like that sells me they're like this man is a god (laughs) they they make him or, oh no asterix and, no that and was he, the one where they yeah they had him punch asterix and asterix is like you know faking the fact that he gets it's punched super hard but this entire plan is predicated not that there's any consequences if the plan doesn't work it's just funny if it does for them but it, the entire plan is predicated on the fact that um 
the the commander does not want to sacrifice one of his legionnaires in case the potion is poisoned, which, as we all know, is utter nonsense from the rest of the the film. Right. He's willing to let these guys die. Yeah, like he nothing. doesn't give a shit. Not a single one. He'll and so, pull up that same damn guy. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, they they all like fully tuck into this thing, this potion, and are all just like growing hair. Yeah, so the potion is not the magic potion that makes you super strong. It's the magic potion that makes you grow bonkers amounts of hair. And apparently this matters because, like, um, it was important in the Roman army to be, to have, like, cropped hair and, like, be clean shaven. And so they just, like, have to keep that up. And they're just, like, constantly shaving for the rest of it, which is, like, kind of funny. I liked all the different beard styles. That was fun. Uh, The enormous pile of hair. Was, yeah, that uh, was good. That was that was very weird to me. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> um, and that's it, really. Like they they just like eventually, but, that potion wears off. Well, and I another... I think that they don't underscore at at this point it is kind of risky, wouldn't you think? Like at this point, it's got to be to the point where Asterix's power potion isn't doing anything for him anymore yeah they explicitly say that it's gone but the two of them are just like they're know, like nah i don't i don't care if they murder us we're yeah, a clown on them make them grow a bunch of hair <laughs> yeah there's and and at no point is the um is the film at all interested in conveying that uh they would be in danger as though they are Right, which like would have added some nice tension to it if they were like, okay, we're in this Gulk, or, or sorry, we're in this Roman camp. Like, I don't have a potion anymore. We we've played this joke and we've maybe gone too far. Now we need to like think and come up with a strategy to like really get ourselves out of this. Right, but and, then like, involved then, the audience in that. Yeah, but then instead of actually like underscoring that, they just pretty much cut to them making another potion. And it's like, oh, well, here's I'm making a small pot of the power potion and I'm making a small pot of the uh, the antidote to the hair potion. Yeah. I don't even know that. It, I don't remember, actually. Is it is it the actual antidote or I thought they were just like waiting for it to wear off? I thought it was the antidote. Yeah. I thought that anyway, was what they said. It didn't matter yeah. at all. It doesn't then, matter. None of none of it matters. None of it matters. And so he drinks the power potion, is like back to full strength or whatever, right in time for frickin' Caesar to show up. Julius Caesar has arrived. Yeah, like he just shows up. And is like, what's going on here? And then the I was really disappointed by the end. Like the this this part sucks. Like he Asterix just like narcs on the um the legate or whatever. Yeah. The, the boss guy of the camp to Caesar and is like this guy was going to make us make you power potion and then he was going to go for your spot. Oh and yeah. Like, that, that was part of the plot that we missed is that Phonus Balonus wants the power potion so that he can take it and then go kick Caesar's ass. Right. And become the new, and that's like another one of these, like everybody's infighting all the time. Right. It's a capitalism metaphor. All Super generous. All cartoons need a star scream. All cartoons need a scar star scream it was true in droids it's true in this it's true yeah that's it there's always some just weasily piss ant who wants to take (laughs) the throne 
And what always pisses me off about those stories is that at no point is it like, like they, they reckon with this and what they come out with is that the big bad dude, Caesar, is actually still chill. And, and so Caesar's like, I'll let you go this time. And like, yeah, whereas is <laughs> unbelievably strong at this point and could, could crush Caesar with his pinky toe. And like, they, he's just like, okay, I'll yeah. leave then, but I'll get you one day. Like, no, kick his ass. Right. Like, so stupid. The real ending like, of the real ending of this, either, either Asterix kicks his ass and, and then they go back to the, to the village or Asterix lets them go and fucking Caesar has Phonus Balonus crucified or something. Like, yeah, and that's what happens. Just none of this that's makes canon. any sense at the end. No, they just, I don't know. They, they kind of, they phoned it in at the end to like maintain their, their main antagonist and main hero. But it's conflict. not even but their it, main it, it, antagonist. After this, they go just chill with Cleopatra. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's exhausting to hear about. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I don't. I don't want to think about that. Yeah, I didn't. I, I watched about five minutes of the next movie, and uh, there were a whole bunch of like little black sambo type characters and i was just like oh, oh no. i i don't want to watch this oh no yeah wow you 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 told me it was gonna be bad and you buried the lead a little bit and that's rough yeah i mean that's the animation from the 60s was full of that shit but damn a- apparently the worst one of them is uh is the one where they go to america and hang oh, out no. with the Native Americans, uh, and oh, it's no. uh, it ain't good. That's some, r- r- that's some retconning there. Yeah. Oof. Um. Yeah, that kind of sucks. There's, there's like, there's some like, there's, there's like the the superiority that that we talked about earlier of like, you know, it feels a little bit like this was produced by and for a French audience. Yeah. Like to specifically tell some like cultural mythology that maybe didn't exist strong enough. And, Mm -hmm. and that bleeds through in a way that like when I was a kid, it's interesting how innocent all that feels. And it's like, you know, these are, these are the the rough and tumble dudes. Yeah. They're doing their best. Yeah. And and then like nowadays you're just like, nah, American sniper is just propaganda. Like, Right. And that's what this is too in a lot of ways. Like kind of. Yeah. Huh. It's like post hoc f- false history propaganda. Yeah. Alternate history propaganda. Alternate history. And like that that stuff is just like extremely pervasive. I think every culture sort of outputs it in a way oh, that yeah, makes it probably. seem as though it is, you know. And they, they play with those lines between history and between unreality in a way that, like, makes them sort of indistinguishable, especially to children. Yeah. And, and like, so introducing it with a map and being like, this is a real place where this happened. Um, and, like, I said at the beginning that they, they make very clear, but I, I am not a child. And so that is probably much more clear to me as to what's happening here as opposed to, like, um, 
the sort of mythos that uh, it might have. Yeah. As a child. Like, you think there are just a bunch of French people now that are just like, well, yeah, we kicked Julius Caesar's ass, like, repeatedly. Yeah. We are the superior. That's how it happened. I don't know if that actually happens, but it's, I don't know. That's not my, it's not my culture, but um, I know that we have similar mythologies in our culture. You know, they are often less tied to cartoon characters not not always not tied to cartoon characters but like we we build these mythologies up and then uh, allow them to run rampant to make our culture seem more powerful i mean let we're going through old cartoons we're probably gonna run into this in like (laughs) just happening in like the 90s in america that's true yeah no the the cultural export thing is real and like um and it pervades itself hell i share like I shared that new Chuck Lorre uh, mm, sitcom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with you earlier. For those who aren't aware, there's this new sitcom made by uh, Chuck Lorre of um, Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory fame Oof. called uh, The United States of Al, which is about a... Um, I, I, I don't, they didn't even mention, I think he's Afghanistani, but a interpreter for a bunch of soldiers who moves to America and it's, it's, God, it looks, it looks so imperialist and bad. How much do you think they're going to reference the fact that um, we've abandoned almost everyone whose lives we've made? Uh, unlivable to um like extremely dangerous by working for the united states and then leaving them in uh in extremely dangerous conditions i'm gonna the show's gonna reference that i'm gonna guess um less often than they make uh broad generalizations of muslims yeah, I think of it half an episode. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um so to sort of wrapping it up, we have uh an interesting look into a cultural export from uh, another another culture that'll Yeah, so know, let, let's frame our reference. So let's go into forward. the rest of this. So um the comic itself, there are and I, I didn't look into how long these I, I should look into how long each volume of uh Asterix is, but it's um they've only done thirty-four volumes in That's less than I thought. Yeah, and, and it's been going for fifty years. Wow. Like, um do you know when the last one was published, the most recent? The most recent one, I mean, it's supposedly still going presently uh i forget when the most let me just look it up dick edit this out All right. 
So the most okay. recent one is from 2009. Huh. And it's called it's Asterix recent, not... and Obelix's Birthday. Adorable. Right? The recent, but not not terribly recent. You know, that's 12 years now without a new one. Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, so Rene Goscinny was is the writer, and Albert Uderzo was the artist, and Uderzo died oh, a while yeah, ago. Right. Although they're still crediting him, which, by the way, very cool. Yeah, no, I I respect that. And like, uh, one thing we didn't really talk about at all. I do I do like the animation. I thought the animation was pretty good. And yeah. The um the styling of the characters was all pretty pretty good. There were a bunch mm. of like little things that are common to the time, like where they just didn't quite have the exposure right on the camera. So there were these weird outlines around the cells. Yeah, some like weird blowouts where you could see yeah, exactly. The the layering of animation. Yeah. And, you'd, you'd, and there was just the a lot of dust and stuff like that. But you know, basically right. anyone that wasn't Disney that was making comic or cartoons in the 60s you'd get that it was basically unavoidable right yeah i was watching a thing about the uh the panoramic camera or the multi-planar camera that disney oh, used yeah. yeah and i was watching them load the glass uh planes into there and no one was wearing gloves and i'm just like oh, oh kill me <laughs> how <laughs> How do you even pull that off? Right. Because there's not anything like just fingerprints, man. Yeah. How do you not? <laughs> like you're going to get a smudge on Bambi? Come on. You're going to smudge Bambi. All right. So, uh, yeah, 34 volumes of the comic. There are 12 movies. Um, eight of them are animated. We have one so far that's 3D animated that actually looks kind of cool to me. That's uh, kind of fascinating. Yeah, and then there are four live-action ones with, like... Yeah, that's horrifying. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen a lot of, um, like, European comedy films. They don't tend to make their way to the United States, but they'll do... Seen some Mr. Bean, but that's about it. They'll do even in modern fit, like in you know, 2020. Um, they have a lot of like very cartoonish CGI, it, it looks yeah. like the mask, kind of interesting. Yeah, so they've, they're, they're sort of continuing to ride that style of, of playing in between reality and, and some kind of animated reality, yeah. That's interesting. And uh, Asterix gets played by... There are like three different French comedians who have played Asterix. And then Obelix is literally always Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> which it's like, well... You, you got to respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's got hustle. The guy's got hustle. He's just in like every French movie ever. I mean, he's, and I and I, I feel almost ashamed to say this. Like maybe the only French actor I know consistently. Oh yeah. Like my brain doesn't hold down to actors very well, but he's like one of the very few whose name I at least recognize. I have no idea what he looks like. I have no idea about anything. Else. He he has a very distinctive nose. 
Uh-huh. Um, and in all the movies that I've seen him in that I remember, he's wearing um, blue and white striped pants that go up over his nipples. And he has uh, <laughs> orange braided hair and a helmet. Astonishing. Astonishing. Yeah, Oblix has a has a notable nose in the in the illustrations as well. So would you would you recommend this having having watched it? Not really. I mean, yeah, no, it was it kind of felt like like dead time. Yeah, it's just kind of boring. Yeah, it's a shame because like there's there's a lot of ways that this could be made more more interesting by not changing that much and with like a little bit of writing. Yeah, but like not even new scenes or whatever. Yeah, although I think that. Honestly, it it like edits down to about forty minutes, if that. Yeah, you cut out the oxen songs and you're down to thirty already. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll rate it um maybe two mid-sized rocks. Uh, I'll give it uh three magic potions. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's I think higher than I would rate it based on feel but uh yeah so so we'll use this as a frame of reference as we we plunge forward into further cultural exports and uh yeah thank you for joining us um on this exploration yeah and next week yeah what are we doing uh well i think it's going to roughly coincide with the release of the mortal Kombat movie which by the way looks stupid and cool yeah um I'm, i kind of want to watch it yeah uh so we're gonna go through mortal Kombat: defenders of the realm a 1996 oh cartoon <laughs> i, I can't that, wait that exists for some reason yep as all good things do all right i've been adric i've been william x you f***ed up and oh, dang it <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to cut it back in. I, I can live with my shame. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. And big thanks to the composer of our theme, Miles Morkery, and to Bernadette Meeker, the artist for our thumbnail. We're OnTwosPod on Twitter.com. Our website is OnTwos.club. You're the best. Good night. 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 Good Good, good night. <laughs>